Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello, and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Chloe. And I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about chapter two of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Well, well, well. <laughs> Look who it is. <laughs> Look what the cat dragged in. And speaking of cats... <laughs> We have a really bad mouse problem in the house that I live in. Mm. It's been a bit of a crisis because we've so far killed six. Now, I say killed, like I haven't been, you know, running around with a frying pan going, where are you? We had a pest control man um, come around our house before the official lockdown and he set poison out. Jesus has been going on for ages. I mean, this has been going on since I've lived here and I've lived here for nearly six years. <laughs> it's because the house has not been properly rebuilt. It's just a cheap job, basically. And we've got people around to fill up as many holes <laughs> As we possibly can. <laughs> and the poison really seems to be working. Now, I don't know. I read an article. Apparently, there's going to be more mice and rats around because people aren't out in public. There's no food. So they're going to panic and they're going to do anything to find some food. Now, luckily, if there are mice, there are no rats. So that's great. Is that true? Yeah, apparently so. They don't hang out together? No, because rats will eat mice. Gross. So we were in discussions of, I mean, the girls that I live with have wanted a cat anyway. Also, it would help. The pheromones of the cat would... I don't know if it's the pheromones, but the smell of the cat will deter mice and rats and whatever. But Chloe, you're allergic. I know. <laughs> I'm so deadly allergic. Ah. It's it's not even funny. So I have a friend who has, you know, dogs, cats, horses, and it's the cats that always get me when I go round. I come out in a rash and I get, like, a bloodshot eye... But times is hard. I do want to make it plain that the cat will be loved. Oh, yeah. I live with two other people who really love cats and want cats as a pet. This is my point of view where I'm like, I am so allergic. (laughs) So at what stage are you at with getting a cat? So I like to organise things and get things rolling. Because I'm like, if we're going to do it, we're just going to fucking do it. I joined the Cat Society. Right. The Cat Society. So it's a society of cat enthusiasts? I'm really sorry, listeners, but I'm not a massive fan of cat lovers. (laughs) Now, I am a cat lover. I know you are. But ultimately, I've always had dogs. Yes. I'll give you an example of the cat lover I am talking about. So on the society, you post about if you want to adopt a cat or foster a cat or if you've lost your cat, you found your cat or if you just want to show us what your cat is doing. (laughs) So I I make a post and this man who is the admin of the society is like, please ring for an informal chat. It wasn't informal. It's the most formal conversation I've ever had. Did you have like a phone interview? Yes. And I didn't like the fact that I was questioned whether or not I would be able to have a cat I can have a cat I would look after the cat maybe this podcast doesn't always cast us in the most mature light but we're both responsible people we're, we've got a lot of love to give I've got a hell of a lot of love to give right now I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so 
the phone rings. It's a landline, which I haven't rung in years. I know. What is this, 2006? So I ring her and she answers and she's a very posh lady. I was like, hi, uh, my name's Chloe. I was given your number. It's just about adopting cats. She's like, oh, right. Let me just get my uh, questionnaire. <laughs> okay. She's like, yes. So um, where do you live? How many of you are there? It just goes on, you know, what's my occupation? About ages? Have we had cats before? Now the girls have. So I just said, yes. Yes, we all have had cats before. Lied. The thing that I lied about that I didn't need to, she asked me if we had um, a balcony, and we do have a balcony, and we also have a rooftop. Now, we wouldn't let the cat on the rooftop because that's not safe, Um, but the balcony, other cats go on, but we probably wouldn't let the cat out on the balcony either. So I just said, no, we don't have a balcony. And this woman, if she has a cat for us, she will come round and see that I have lied. (laughs) She was like, it doesn't matter if you do have a balcony or not, but you will have to get some flat cat traps. I'm sorry, some what? Flat cat traps are these Velcro fabric that you just put around a window. So you have to lift it up if you want to open it and then put it back. Anyway, so she's like, okay, that's been great chatting. Um, Here's my email. And uh, can you just email me all this information we've been talking about and I'll see what I can do. Have you not been making notes? I know! Did you do that thing where you know when you're speaking to someone who is posher than you and you find that you're just becoming more and more clipped and you can't help it, it just keeps happening? It's the only way these people understand you. (laughs) Yes, I can send you an email for the flat cat trap. You sound like a wartime correspondent. And that's the BBC. Get into it. Let's get into it. Plot for chapter two, open book. Bo goes back to school. Bo, like Bella, is bad at sports. That has remained. And the timetable hasn't changed. Edith is not in biology. This affects Bo, and he can't seem to understand why. Bo, after school, goes to the supermarket to get the groceries for him and Charlie. He returns home and he organises the kitchen in the way he wants. So Charlie and Bo sit down to dinner and they discuss the Cullens and Charlie remains defendant of uh, Dr Cullen, which is nice. So then it's snow day and that's when Edith returns to school. Edith and Bo have their first conversation during their biology lesson. We learn that Bo, like Bella, has come to Forks to make his mother happier, making him miserable. And I think Edith says that line that Edward says. You put on a good show. But I'd be willing to bet that you're suffering more than you let anyone see. Ooh. Mm, Still gets me. Right in the pants. And that's my plot! I'll maybe start by saying just something that I've taken upon myself as my duty. (laughs) Because it's an opportunity that we have in this book more than we did in Twilight. I'm keeping track of the day and date. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So I just want to let you know, because the novel began with a date, January 17th, 2005, that was a Monday. So we begin chapter two, Wednesday, the 19th of January, 2005. Thank you. Thank you so much, Isaac. (laughs) I want to ask you, was Eric classified as chess club Eric? He was, I checked. He was, okay. It just seems awful. And now I feel a bit sorry for Eric. I'm sorry that I let you down. Her storyline does follow Eric's in the same way. The way she's talked about is the same. Okay. Which you find more unfair than you did with Eric. I didn't like it really. I think I did say in Twilight, the way that Bella described people's appearances was a big deal for me. And I understand that appearances are important. It's what you see. In a way, we said 
isn't that what our adolescence was, the way we looked at people? And, and absolutely. I just now, as a 25-year-old woman, really resent certain things being said. And with Erica being acne, glasses, I think glasses, I don't even know, greasy skin, chest club, all this. I'm like, oh, for God's sake. I mean, you're writing it in 2015. Change the tropes. I suppose, again, we're going to come back and we're going to keep hitting this wall of she intentionally wanted to keep as much the same as possible in order to make this point. If we've interpreted the forward correctly, that nothing about the romantic story would change with a change of gender, but this whole exercise is naturally going to throw up what happens and what does feel different when you change the gender. She says nothing will change, and yet she has changed things. Really, the experiment should have just been bow changes, the pronouns change, and that is it. But then I suppose she, like she said, she couldn't resist making some tweaks, which I understand. I don't think I'd be able to resist that. No, of course not. But then make a different story, make a different book. Because this experiment... No. You're not a fan? Uh, It's interesting. I'm really glad we're doing it. I'm glad I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think, well, one, was this needed? And two, uh, I just, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so moving on from that, how do you feel about Michaela being interested in Bo? I mean, I know it's Mike flipped, but how are you feeling about the way Michaela is about it? What's been catching my eye more is the way that Bo responds to it, as opposed to the way that Bella responded to it. Yes. They're both aware that Mike Michaela is attracted to them. Mm. So we have a moment here, a paragraph in this that doesn't exist in Twilight, where Bo is reflecting on this. He's saying, I I didn't want to be arrogant, but I was pretty sure she was into me, which was a strange feeling. He says that he hadn't really been noticed a lot by girls at home, and he has this moment of wondering if he wants Michaela to like him and kind of realising he doesn't. He says that her attention made me feel uncomfortable. And then he kind of has a moment of self-reflection, keeping in mind that he's a 17-year-old boy. I have this note, but in a different way. (laughs) I'm interested to see how we both respond to this differently. Yeah. What he says is, why am I uncomfortable about the fact that she likes me? Is it because she'd picked me instead of the other way around? That I appreciate. Acknowledging that convention, that the guy must be the one to ask the girl out and the girl must be the one to be chosen to be picked i kind of assumed it was more i choose to like you rather than doing the asking out oh maybe that is what he means i have been or i am michaela i am michaela (laughs) when it comes to men i make it very known that i like them there's no question about it and if you like it you like it and if you don't you don't have you experienced some men that have not been into that yeah all men (laughs) (laughs) all men (laughs) I have this uh, philosophy, I don't know if you'd call it that, but I just have this idea where if I'm interested, I'm not going to bullshit you, I like you. If you want to be with me, be with me, don't fuck about. Yeah. And if you're not into it, you're not into it, but usually they're not into it. So Bo is commenting on that. He's reflecting on his own feelings and saying, ah, here's this attractive girl who is making it clear that she likes me, but I'm not feeling it. Is that because she's making her attraction to me clear and I've not chosen to make that step? And he responds to that to himself saying, that was a stupid reason. Ego running wild like it had to be my decision first. And this is where I first put the question, Bo Swan, feminist? Oh, no, because then he ruins it. Okay, so he does. He then kind of (laughs) undercuts it. But 
the initial moment, you know, for a 17-year-old white guy... I suppose. That moment impressed me a little bit. Mm. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe I'm just too easily impressed. And this is a question that we must continue to ask ourselves, is do we expect too little of men? Oh, absolutely. But it's new and it's interesting. I just don't know if we can grant him even the utter of feminists (laughs) for just having that snippet of a thought. Ultimately, what he's said, he's reflected on the culture that surrounds him. He's reflecting on the conventions of high school in the States in 2005. He's reflecting on the patriarchy there. And he's saying, it's stupid. It is there. Okay. But then what happens after that, Isaac? Well, (laughs) okay. So after that, he talks about how he'd spent all this time staring at Edith Cullen. And he was worried that by looking at such a beautiful girl for so long, he would ruin his perspective on beauty forever. Forever. Do you not kind of get what he's saying? If I expected every man who I had a relationship with to look like Jake Gyllenhaal, I would be doomed. No? Does that not make sense? Like I understand. I think my problem comes a little bit later in the chapter when this is revisited. I think I resent that in the moment for Bo, Edith's perfection is her main quality. True. But to be fair, she's never spoken to him. <laughs> Well, she's looked at him in a certain way and he's still obsessed with her, so... But he, at least he does acknowledge... He's kind of acknowledging fantasy versus reality. I feel like I'm always... Bless you, your role is to always try and be the good guy. <laughs> but maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm being the bad guy. Because if I'm defending Bo, who is objectifying women, which he does the very next page, and this is where I think you might have an issue, is his description, particularly, I found, of Eleanor. Yeah! Eleanor's height being a hindrance and that he can't believe Royal doesn't mind about it. But I guess with Royal's confidence, it doesn't matter. This is all bullshit. Well, Royal is still half an inch taller than Eleanor. Well, thank God, because if Eleanor were taller, what the fuck would we all do? I did appreciate because we didn't get this in the first chapter and we did criticise it. But here we did get that Eleanor looked like she was just as familiar with the weight room as Royal is. Yeah, but I don't know how that comment is supposed to go. I think it's telling us about the way she looks. I think it's telling us that she looks buff. The framing of it, I think it's unfortunate that, again, it can't just be that she looked like a girl who was very familiar with a weight room. It was just as familiar as Royal. Yeah. Just as. So the same. They look like they work out the same amount. That irritates me because she should look like she works out more than he does. Emmett didn't look like he worked out about the same amount as Rosalie did. No, it was never a question. But here we have to mention, if we're mentioning Eleanor's muscular physique, we have to justify it by saying that her partner is just as muscular and half an inch taller. The part that Beau then bothers me is that he was surprised that Royal has his hand casually on Eleanor's hip and Beau is surprised that he felt comfortable doing that. Not that she wasn't hot, she was super mega hot, but not approachable. Yes. And that's where we get a judgement on the look. She doesn't look approachable. Yeah, she doesn't look feminine. Basically. Yeah, that's what we're inferring from that. She doesn't look like the kind of girl who you can casually put your hand on her hip. But also it's like, that's none of your business, Bo, quite frankly, because it's Royal's girlfriend. They were introduced as a couple, you know that they're together. So to Royal, I'm sure Eleanor is very approachable. So (laughs) fuck off. But 
I think that Beau is written to be more likable than Bella. I agree. And what we need to examine is whether that is by virtue of being a man or whether the changes that Maya has made to the text do make Beau a more likable protagonist. I did have this note, actually, when talking about Michaela and his thoughts about this. That whole passage, you know, being self-deprecating, being like, oh, it's my egocentric whatever. It's devices she is using to try and make him likable because he's thinking about these things. I think it's just clunkily done. When these things are happening to you, you don't think, oh, I'm such an egomaniac. You just think, okay, I think this person likes me. How do I feel about that? Mm. What I'm saying is I agree with what you just said about her trying to make him more likable. You know, I think she probably got criticism from, I don't know who, but um, (laughs) (laughs) she got criticism, I think, for Bella. You know, it was so... Cold. Standoffish. Yes, and her not bothering to remember names, which she's made Bo continue to do. But with Bo, it has the impression of he's just forgetful. And by the next day, he knows all their names. He's remembered all their names by the second day. You would forgive Bella on her first day not remembering everybody. I totally understand that, but it was the way it went about. The way it was written, yeah. It's a question that I want to bear in mind, and we need to keep asking ourselves. I do think that Bo is written to be more likeable. I agree. What we just need to keep an eye on is that he has been written to be more likeable, rather than we just expect less from him Mm. because he's a man. And that any little nugget of virtue we celebrate because he's a man. So I'd like to discuss Charlie sticking up for Dr. Cullen, if I may. You may. Thank you. I appreciate that hasn't changed. She's still sticking up for the Cullens. However, he does comment on Carlisle's looks. And we were like, oh, Charlie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's me because it's been changed. But there's something in the way it's described that I'm like... Does Charlie like a little bit of Dr. Cullen? I wondered that when he was talking about Carlisle. Mm, mm. Ultimately, I think the answer is no, not especially. But he's not blind to the good looks of Dr. Cullen in either Twilight or Life and Death. A little bit just about the home life. We talked about it a lot more with Bella, with Bo. It's slightly less remarkable. Yes. Because he's a boy. But... It's there. Charlie behaves exactly the same, which again is one of those things that I kind of appreciate. At least he is behaving the same way. He's not helping Bo clean up. He didn't help Bella clean up because it is a boy doing that. It doesn't have the same cultural weight of Mm. the housewife. Mm. Can we get to Edith returning? We certainly can. Bo... Only has soda for lunch. Only has soda. Was Bella questioned, though? Yes. Oh, she was? Yeah. Oh, right. God, is it awful that when I'm reading it, I just thought, yeah, of course he's just believed because he's a man. (laughs) But nothing has changed. That's so bad. But is it so bad? If it had been me, though, if it had been my friend, I'd be like, well, soda's not going to help you. Did you never get given flat lemonade when you felt sick? No. Oh, I used to get flat lemonade. I would just get water. Well, it's never a bad thing to be hydrated. True. So Edith has returned. It is snow day. Bo is delighted. We're back. We've had a weekend. It's now Monday. So it's only been three days at school without Edith. Um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yes. Thank you for counting. We're getting to biology. Yes. It's the classic onion root. I, okay, I kind of, okay, I have a statement to make. I think I might quite like Edith. Okay, okay. Okay. Okay, you know what? I'm going to jump ahead a bit. I'm going to give you my best bit now. (gasps) Oh! Because 
Because it's relevant as we're going through and discussing. I think I just need to. Okay, cool. So my best bit, and I started to have this revelation yesterday while I was reading this scene in the biology class. I agree with you. Yay! I think I like Edith. I don't find Edith as creepy or arrogant as Edward was. No. The question I had to ask myself then, because I'm feeling slightly more sympathetic towards Beau, because I think I might actually like and admire Edith, and all that's changed, in air quotes, is the gender, is that showing up my gender bias? And we had this discussion last episode and and mentioned it the episode before. I think it'll be in every episode. And I'm here to argue today that no, it's not. Ooh! Because... A, she's written to appear less arrogant. There are moments where Bella in Twilight mentioned Edward's arrogant smile or the way that he talks to her is rude, but also the confidence and forwardness that she does have is more impressive. Yes! I love her sass! The reason that her confidence is impressive is because of the gender swap, but that isn't sexist. Because as a woman, particularly a woman who became a vampire in 1918, she has been taught to be polite, quiet, and uncommanding. So by her behaving the way that Edward behaved, it actually shows a choice and a power, a strength. And Beau, taking on Bella's more retreating qualities, shows a consideration. And I would extend this out further. My favourite bit of this whole chapter was my revelation that I may actually enjoy this whole book (laughs) and I'm going to give myself permission to enjoy this whole book because doing this gender swap does good things. I'm allowed to not like Jeremy because the patriarchy is on his side. Whereas Jessica was swimming upstream. It links into what you were saying earlier about Erica. Mm. You feel worse for Erica being called Chess Club Erica than you did about Eric. Eric, of course, is still going through that. And of course, it's still horrible. But he does have the patriarchy on his side. And I know that there will be people listening who don't believe that the patriarchy is real, etc, etc. This is the wrong podcast for you. I'm not (laughs) saying... If you've gone this far... Don't believe the patriarchy is real. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not erasing the struggle that Eric will have gone through in his life. No. But it makes it harder if Erica is a woman. It just does. Exactly. And just because you're a straight white man does not mean that you've not had a really hard life. Mm. It just means that your life has not been made harder by being straight or white or a man. Yeah. There are things in my life that have been harder than your life because I am gay and you are straight. Yes. But there are things in your life that have been harder than mine because you're a woman and I'm a man. Yes. We both have the luxury of being white Mm. in Britain today. We both have names that are easy to read on a CV. Yes. Little things that don't mean that our lives are easy, but just mean that, that particular characteristic is not making our life difficult. All that in a roundabout way to just say, yeah, fuck it. I think I'm going to enjoy this book. What do you think? What do you think? Am I complete? Am I crazy? No, I agree. I love this revelation. I really, I just read it and just thought, oh, oh, I like you. Yeah. (laughs) And I was so surprised. But no, Edith is sassy and I love it. And I love the fact that she doesn't give Beau a chance with the onion. 
she's just like, I'm just doing it. Oh my I God, love yes. it. Because when Edward did it, he was smirking at Bella. He said ladies first, like Edith did. Yes, but of course that same line has a different meaning because she's saying ladies first as in I'm going to go first. And then she just fucking does it all. Yes. Whereas with Edward, he's using his old timey charm, but he doesn't believe that she can do it. I love it. Now, I don't think I'm going to enjoy the book, but I'm going to enjoy the bits she's in. Okay. Because it's Bo's point of view. And quite frankly, I could do without. Ah, see, whereas I'm growing to like Bo. Um, I think he's a bit of a drip. He maybe. There's the moment that is swapped a little bit. In Twilight, Edward asks Bella, am I annoying you? Sounding amused. And Bella replies, not exactly. I'm more annoyed at myself. My face is so easy to read. In Life and Death, the line, am I annoying you, comes from Bo. So where Edward is smugly saying, am I annoying you, Bo is apologising to Edith. And that's where Edith opens up and says, no, if anything, I'm annoyed with myself. Bo asks why. And she says that reading people usually comes very easy. Whereas in Twilight, Bella starts to talk about being an open book. And then Edward says, on the contrary, I find you very difficult to read. It's a completely different dynamic. It is. It's slightly more, I wanted to use the word graceful. I don't know if that's right. I was just going to say healthier. Yeah. So far, anyway. I mean, we've got, you know, the big events to happen that, you know, develop their relationship and things. But so far, it just seems like a nicer conversation rather than the very uptight, everybody's on edge. Does he want to kill me? She still fancies him and she's covering herself with her own hair. It's more comfortable to read. It's nicer. We get more of a personality from Edith. Just one more thing I wanted to point out that made me like Bo more. Edith does the whole onion root assignment. The teacher comes over and says, give Bo a go. And then we get the reveal that actually Bo has done this before. In Twilight, at the end of the class, Mike comes up to Bella and says, oh, you're so lucky you had Cullen as a partner. Bella snaps, I didn't have any trouble doing this. Mike looks kind of put out at that. And Bella, in order to protect the male ego, says, oh, well, I'd done this before. Now, Bo... When Michaela comes over, she says, that was awful. They all looked exactly the same. You're lucky you had Edith as a partner. And Beau replies, yeah, she seemed to know her way around an onion root. I love it when a girl knows her way around an onion root. It's really all you need in a woman. <laughs> it's all I ask. But yeah, there's, there's something in that. He didn't say, oh, well, I, I did my share of it. Didn't reveal even that he'd done it before and found it easy. He just goes, yeah, she was good at that. One thing that I was not impressed with, Michaela, like Mike, says, oh, seemed friendlier today. And in both Twilight and in Life and Death, Bo slash Bella replies, I wonder what was with her last Monday. Last Monday, the swan child was on a plane. Oh, dear. They arrived in Forks on the oh, Monday. Oh, dear. It was last <laughs> Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you can't fool Isaac! He will not be fooled! So I don't know whether that is a mistake by the author, something of course it is. Who by else? the editor. Who else would make this or mistake? Is it, is it that Bo and no. Bella are just so bamboozled by the beauty no. that they don't know what day of the week no. it was? No, this goes right back to my point in our first episode, talking about the forward when I said it's lazy. <laughs> it's lazy writing. She doesn't care. She doesn't plan. But then why put... On that first page, you've put January 17th. And so we are able to look up what day that was. And it yeah. was a Monday. And trust me, there are people out there, Isaac, who will look up that date. Saddos. <laughs> 
I did think it was odd. Why would he arrive on a Monday? And start on a Tuesday. Anyway, that whole really tense biology lesson, it happened on a Tuesday, um, not on a Monday. And what this reveals to me is that not only does Bo only do six lessons, (laughs) but he does the same six lessons in the same order every day of the week. Oh, no. Can we please ask any American listener to please tell us what a normal timetable for high school is like? Please. God, I would love that. Yes, please. Because this really, really bothers us. Like, I don't know. At 17, is it normal to not be studying any history? No art, no drama. Very odd. Okay. So you've kind of, I was going to say, let's get to the good and worst bit, but you've kind of revealed it. And I actually agree with your good bit. That was my good bit. Edith and Bo's first encounter. I like it. It's a really good bit. So what was your worst? To be honest, I was so high on the buzz of (laughs) realising I might enjoy this book. I feel better about the whole situation, just knowing that I'm not going to be reading something that I'm going to despise. So in terms of a worst bit, to pick one, and and it is a serious one, but it's one I've mentioned before, OCD gets a lot of airtime in this chapter. It does, it does, yeah. This thing about organising Charlie's cupboards and how Bo needs to have things a certain way, but it's all so casual. But yeah, the throwing around of the OCD, I also made a little note of basically all the things that are the same from Twilight. So we have the same mention of the gun. When Bo was little, he would take the bullets out of the gun. Now, as Bo is older, he doesn't remove the bullets. And Bo makes a comment like he either thinks I'm not going to kill myself or not depressed enough or something like this. Old enough to not shoot myself by accident and not depressed enough to shoot myself intentionally. Yeah. And on my reading of it from Bo's point of view, I think it seems less likely than in Bella's. I think from the state of mind that we have. Maybe. I don't know. I I don't know. Does Bo seem happier? He still seems he's miserable but with Bo he's just getting on with it whereas Bella is more mopey but then just because someone keeps a stiff upper lip about it doesn't mean that he is happy no no but maybe he's hiding his depression from even us the reader I don't know maybe but yes what was your worst bit my worst bit I don't know if it's worst but I thought maybe that there might have been some hostility between Bo and Phil there might be a different reason why Bo left his mum to come to Forks. It's the same reason, and I never really liked the reason anyway. Give me some drama. Uh, yeah, I get that. Like, I get that. Like, So you wanted a little bit of maybe something that felt a little bit more honest, a little yeah. bit less self-sacrificing, yeah. something like... I didn't feel comfortable no longer being the man of the house or he didn't feel comfortable with a 17-year-old son around. Being the man of the house. The Twilight Saga is not dramatic enough for you. (laughs) Burning question time. Burning question time! Can you feel the heat? Ooh, speaking of heat. On the first page of this chapter, Bo lies in bed and thinks of Edith. Do we think Bo masturbates over Edith? Oh! (laughs) Chloe! Okay, in all honesty, I'm going to say no. Ooh! Not at this point, because although it won't be explicit textual evidence, I do believe there will be some textual evidence for when that happens. (laughs) I think, with what I remember of Twilight, some dreams, they are a-coming. They are a-coming. And I think that that is when 
you and I will first start delving into... Delving into masturbation. It's traditionally, I think it's around like the second month of quarantine that people normally start to delve into masturbation. (laughs) I look forward to delving. Thank you for joining us for chapter two of Life and Death. Join us on Friday for chapter three, Phenomenon. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast. And you can rate, review and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care and stay at home if you can. And remember, you're allowed to like this book. Mm-hmm.